Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia. It's episode 226 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. You can find us at www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. The all-new CLNS Media website, by the way, has now launched at clnsmedia.com. CLNS Media is now the home of this podcast and also over 40 other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We are so excited to have our show featured on the brand new CLNS Media website. Support our network by checking out this episode at clnsmedia.com. That is clnsmedia.com. Gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Patriots podcast someone I've known since I've actually uh, been in Boston since 1993, and that would be the one and only Dan Roach of WBZ-TV. You also know him from the Patriots' fifth quarter on WBZ-TV and occasionally uh, WSBK when uh, there is something else going on on Channel 4. Of course, the Patriots' fifth quarter is your home for finding out all of the post-game scoop after every Patriots game. Uh, Roachy, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure, Craig. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Um, not as well as the Patriots are right now after bouncing back with, I think, Dan, and, and you talked about this with uh, Scott Zolak in Pittsburgh, one of the most memorable regular season wins in Patriots' uh, memory. And obviously, uh, over the last 17 years, there have been a number of them, but there have been so many great postseason wins. It's hard to recall a regular season win that had so much uh, importance tied to it, and the way the Patriots pulled it off felt like a playoff game, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the history shows you exactly just how important it was. I mean, you go back to, uh, you know, with the Patriots, when they're able to have and secure home field advantage throughout the playoffs, they've done very, very well, and when they haven't, they they don't do well. So, you know, you think back to 2015, when they lost in overtime in Denver, and then had to go back there for the AFC Championship game and, and came close but short uh, on a two-point conversion or uh, on a pass to Gronk uh, that didn't make it, and uh, they weren't able to go on to the Super Bowl. So when they're at home, they do well, and, and that was at stake there. So so much at stake in this, in this football game. Uh, it had that feel. It had a back-and-forth feel to it. Uh, the, the Steelers certainly showed up. Uh, and then the Patriots, you know, whether you call it, got a break uh, with the Jesse James touchdown call back, 
Uh, a lot of drama going in and out of it. But, yeah, they were also exhausted when they got off the field. It reminded me post-game, certainly not to the degree, of the 28-3 comeback that they had uh, where the Patriots were able to pull it off in, in the Super Bowl. But certainly not that that high intensity, but it was close. So it was, uh, yeah, one of those games that you'll never forget. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool uh, to watch the, how things had unfolded and even just, you know, catching glimpses of those guys coming off the field. Usually it's very, you know, hey, they'll pump a fist or whatever, but they were hugs. Uh, between Josh McDaniels, David Andrews, you know, the, the players, the coaches, the, the, the whooping it up, and even Tom Brady slowed things down as he was running to get into the locker room, suddenly stopped almost uh, to a slow walk and just started smiling, uh, soaking all, it all in before he went into that locker room. So, yeah, from start to finish, it was epic. Lived up to the hype, lived up to the billing, and we'll see. Maybe we'll see it again in the AFC Championship game if things go right. And if they go right, they would be in Gillette uh, at Foxborough, which would be huge for the Patriots. What I found interesting, uh, Rochi, was when you were talking with Mike Reese towards the end of the fifth quarter on Sunday after the game, you, you and Mike both spoke to the giddiness of the scene, especially in the locker room after they all came off the field. And and I think it's important for, you know, our audience to understand that this is a team that is so accustomed to winning that you would almost think that like in baseball when when a team qualifies for the playoffs a lot of times nowadays they're very matter of fact about it they, they kind of act nonchalant and, and the Patriots have won so much that in years past there have been times where it's a hat and t-shirt and it's nice but we have bigger fish to fry but that's not what it was you know when you guys were talking about it after the game this game was not that how unique is it to see that especially around the team that is so accustomed to winning yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing with it is, is because of what was at stake. It, it was beyond just winning another AFC East title. Uh, so the hat and T-shirt, sure, it was a symbol of getting their ninth straight and shows you the dominance that this team has had. But as we mentioned, it was so much at stake, you know, likelihood of that number one seed if, if the Patriots can win out here in their final to regular season game. So it was huge. And the fact that they came back to do it, you know, down uh, again with two minutes to go, and they score a touchdown, the Brady and Gronk combo, and then they get that call overturned, and then they get the Harmon interception. There was so much drama uh, that that was part of it, too, just the pure emotion of coming off the field, having just stunned everybody in that, three, you know, in the uh, Heinz Field crowd. That was part of it, too. And then I always I always like it from, from my perspective is you see so much turnover in a Bill Belichick team from year to year, and you look at all the players that have been hurt, the high towers of the world that aren't on the field, there's a lot of new faces that are on that football field. And, you know, Stephon Gilmore, who had so much losing in Buffalo right. the first part of his career, uh, those guys, th- it matters to them. So I think that makes a guy like Brady smile when he sees, you know, Brandon Cooks with the Saints who hadn't had much winning either. And when they see them come off the field and get that emotion, that smiling going, that got them going too. And then I think Bill Belichick and everyone appreciated it as well because, because again, the dramatic fashion that it happened in. So, But they're pretty good at celebrating for that minute and then you know kind of when you let the media in it it uh, kind of goes away a little bit it extended over this period when the media was let in uh but that's kind of cool and i remember even i think it was i don't know if it was in denver last year wherever they clinched the afc east i remember i was i was late coming out of the locker room because we do a thing with deron Harmon, and mm-hmm. i was walking to go from the locker room into the in back into the interview room and and several of the coaches were sitting in their own little private area and i walked by and, you know, you, you don't say much to anybody in those locker rooms and stuff, but I looked at them all and I said, hey, guys, it's okay to smile. Congratulations. You, you just won another AFC East. And they all started laughing because 
I guess they don't look at it that way either. The coaches especially, they're ready to watch film and get ready for the next opponent. So it was good to see the emotion, I thought, from the Patriots uh, in that in that game. And now, again, they'll refocus and go forward. But good for them. And, man, it just continues to – the winning ways just continue to go on and on with Belichick Brady and, and led by uh, Robert Kraft. So it's been fun. So when you're not – uh, on the scene uh, in the locker room for Patriots fifth quarter. Everybody knows you're at CBS scene um, with Christian Fourier, uh, and then it's you know Steve Burton uh, actually on location. And you were with Christian at CBS scene after that stinker in Miami. And you know what I remember about that, Rochi? <laughs> I remember Christian Fourier, who is certainly optimistic and, and, and certainly – has a pulse on the on the looking. Patriots, and, and well, I'll leave that for you, bud. Uh, no, he'll tell you that. You know yeah, what I mean? It's he will. It is, you know, so people come over for autographs and pictures with Christian every time. So I try to break it up when I ask people for five dollars. So, but go ahead. Um, you know, I will use that four one one to get him on this very podcast next week or the week after. I will use that to try and bribe him to get on the show, and I think with Christian, it'll work. But after that game in Miami, <laughs> after that game in Miami, Rochi, you were the one who said it'll be okay. Do you remember? You remember telling Christian time after time, "It'll be okay. It'll be okay." You were trying to talk Christian back off the ledge. I want to know why you were so convinced that it would be okay in Pittsburgh. Uh, I go back to, to to simple that it's it's Belichick and Brady leading the way. Uh, because they've done it so many times under so many different situations. And then for me, added in the fact that Brady's coming from a place, for, for whatever reason, uh, is now 7-9 and nine in his career. He simply does not play well in Miami. And very rarely did we see Brady you know, have a tough back-to-back. And I think Mike Reese had it in his uh, column on Sunday that you know, going back to 2008, Tom Brady is now 26-5 and five and make it 27-5. and five following a loss uh, in his career. That's unbelievable. Uh, you know, in the last, it, it really is. So to me, that's what I was putting my faith in and the fact that he was going to a place where he had success, 10-3 and three lifetime against the Steelers with 29 uh, touchdowns and, and only three interceptions, 5-2 and two at Heinz Field uh, where he had played well in the past. So I was basing it on Brady, uh, maybe mostly Brady, uh, finding a way to help his team win and the rarity of them playing back-to-back and comfortable in a place like Pittsburgh uh, where they do well. So that's, that, that's what I was putting in my faith in. And the thing that makes me laugh is we go through so many things, uh, you know, in Boston, and we have in the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. But one of them always is when the Patriots are 2-2 two and two or 1-3 and three or whatever they are, people go into a panic, and Matt Patricia gets, you know, targeted and circled, and everyone says, it's, you know, this is the end, the defense is terrible and everything else, yet they regroup and find a way. And they did it again this year. And then we go through a panic of if they have a horrible loss somewhere where everybody jumps off the bandwagon. And again, this isn't a team that's, you know, you know, one year they're really good and then the next two, three years they're terrible. This is a year that the team that consistently has been good and, and, and not only good, but championship level. It just made me laugh that, you know, we do our poll and people, you know, we have four choices. Patriots win, close one, Patriots win, right. blowout. Steelers win, close one, Steelers win, blowout. And 55% of our people responded in that poll thought the Steelers were going to win in a blowout and it just made me laugh it's like people you know do you not where are you you know you have New you England, not been paying attention break. <laughs> yes it was like pretty simple for me so that's why I went on uh, it look, you know and 
So I got to tell you though, all of that, everything you just said is true. But when I was watching you make that uh, comment, I'm like, yeah, but this this felt different to me. This is this was a wounded Patriot team that didn't have Kyle was probably not going to have Kyle Van Noy, and as it turned out, uh, they didn't. They did get Trey Flowers back. They got Rob Gronkowski back, but they just looked a little bit wounded going into a uh, uh, an environment that was where Pittsburgh was um, certainly thinking that this is their year, this time to finally get. Uh, inside the grill of Tom Brady, and I, I guess I, I'll tell you this much: I, you know, why the fans react the way they do, Rochi? I why? think I think it's because a fans crave drama. Because I don't, aside from the Super Bowls, there's very little drama during the regular season because the AFC East is non-competitive. So fans are almost. I, this sounds ridiculous, but they're inherently hoping for some kind of drama to to build up the the sense of thrill that they always get every year in the playoffs with this team. Because from September to mid-December, there's very little drama, no? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's part of the yearning. Uh, but I, again, I, to me, it goes way too past that. It goes way too... Negative, and I, and I go back. I think you know people can, and, and then rightly so. And, and you think about it too, Mike. Is is listen, if uh, if Jesse James holds onto the ball the way that he should, and if this new rule isn't written the way it's written, then right. you know I was wrong. You know what I mean? So it's 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 certainly uh, you know it could have gone either way. Uh, but I also think that the fact that I, I, I you know what I think goes unnoticed about this defense is the fact that that back group and the way in the back has gotten better and better since day one game one, two, three, and four of the season, and they're still intact. So, you know, I look at that, and I see McCourty back there, and yep. I see, you know, uh, Patrick Chung, who continues to play well against tight ends and what have you, and then Harmon, and, you know, on and on it goes. Gilmore, and yes, they get, they get beat, and they have their, but they always come up with a play when they need to make a play. So uh, I think, again, that's just kind of the way this team is, uh, and they seem, you know, nine times out of ten, they come up with a play that, that makes it. And I go back even a we talked about early 2015. Look at how beat up they were, and how and how hard it was in Denver. It was still within one play of of you know getting to overtime and and continuing that AFC championship. So that's why to me it's just like it's really hard to put a dagger uh, you know in the vampire that is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So that's kind of how you look at it. Speaking with Dan Roach of WBZ TV, and of course uh, one of the uh, stars of the Patriots' fifth quarter. Listen up, hoops fans! Basketball season is back, and now that your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night. Playing one day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part, you'll get to draft a new team each day, and drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better? Of course, winning cold hard cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await. 
only at DraftKings. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup, and you can seriously cash in tonight. That's code CLNS at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Back with Dan Roach of WBZ TV fame and Patriots fifth quarter. Okay, let's move on to... Uh, wait, wait. Let's take. Make sure you take Kyrie Irving no matter what the price is. Let's start, right? Yeah, I, I think that is a start. And by the way... I got <laughs> ripped apart, Rochi, for suggesting if that deal was going to fall apart, I would have thrown in Jalen Brown. And I understand why fans love Jalen Brown, and certainly he's turning out to be a star in the making. But Kyrie Irving is a transformational player, and I think Danny Ainge <laughs> hit one out of the park with it. And just if they don't have Kyrie Irving, they're not where they are right now, right? Well, isn't it, isn't it amazing what what Ainge has been able to pull off? Like, you know, we, we've how many years have we been waiting for for something? Come on, Danny, make that move, make that move. You got these draft picks, everything else, and he waited patiently. And not only did he pick off Kyrie, and I agree with what you're saying, but the development of of Brown, and then to watch Tatum, you know, get better and better and better game by game by game. When everyone was saying, "What are you doing, making him your draft pick instead of Fultz and and going from there?" And then even a guy like Tice, you know, that it comes in, all these. People that you know, Danny's been scouting all over the world. Every time he does an interview, uh, he's all someplace different. You know, scouting a game or scouting Europe or scouting you know California, and it's all paid off in a remarkable way, even minus Gordon Hayward. So yeah, a lot of uh, little little talk off the the side there, Mike. But yeah, it's been amazing to watch the Celtics so far. Well, I mean, you know what though? Let's bring it back to, to Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick and Danny Ainge to me are two of the best personnel evaluators and organizers of their teams uh, in sports. And it's just, again, the Boston sports fan, I think most fans in this town uh, and in this region um, are smart and savvy enough to appreciate what they have in Belichick and Ainge, but it is remarkable how the two of them take all of the emotion out of what they're doing. I mean, to me, the trade of Isaiah Thomas and how difficult emotionally that must have been for Ainge is something that Belichick would do. I mean, everybody paints Bill Belichick as this cold, hard, calculating guy, and certainly there is that aspect of his professional acumen. But, you know, Belichick understands that deep down these guys are are human beings, but in the end, both Ainge and Belichick are going to do what's in the best interest of the team. Yeah, I mean, and they just don't, you know, they say it, too. They they continue to say it, and after a while, you're like, okay, excuse me, are they really doing what's best for the team? But, you know, nine times out of ten, it's, it's true, you know, and, and even as much as they care, as much as Danny, you know, formed that relationship with Isaiah, how hard do you think it was to pick up the phone and tell Isaiah Thomas that, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm trading you, even though you're expecting a max deal to stay here in Boston? And, you know, we continue to see and have seen over the Players' Tribune how much you know, Isaiah Thomas really—it's—it's it's killed him. You know, to be ha- having to be traded to Cleveland, uh, and, and and Danny again did what was best in the interest of the franchise to try to win a championship. And for Wick Grosbeck and company to have the patience to stay with that—it's—it's—it's it's, it's working. 
And the same, like you said, with Belichick. And, you know, he still he cares about his players. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo, you know what I mean? It's yep. Some of the things that he said on Great his point. way out, he's, you know, he, he tried try to put him into a, a, an advantageous place to, to better his career because I think he cared that much about Garoppolo and how good of a, you know, a soldier he was along the whole ride here that Brady just certainly wasn't going away. Uh, and he kind of, okay, you know, go out and have yourself a good career. So, uh, you know, it, it is. It's special to watch, and I think we're all spoiled here, but how great it's been. How about uh, the the job some of the uh, Pro Bowlers on the page? The Pro Bowl team just came out uh, as we're recording this, uh, Rochi. And one guy on there that is a newcomer and is um, has been selected to the Pro Bowl for the first time is James Devlin. And he may be, and I tweeted this, he may be one of Tom Brady's very favorite guys on the team. Why, why do you think... Uh, Brady has always appreciated the effort of James Devlin. Well, it's kind of what we talked about with Bill Belichick and what's the best interest of the team. That's that's Devlin. You know, you don't hear Pete out of him. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't hear from him in, in for, you know, a, a full game or two uh, because, you know, Bill Belichick again, which is, you know, amazing to me that he, he simply, you know, kind of rips up the, the whole, you know, game plan from game to game and, you know, comes up with the best plan that he can to beat uh, each and every team on a week-by-week basis. In some weeks, James Devlin's heavily involved. If they're going to run the football, if they're going up against a team that you know they feel they can take advantage of, but if they're going up a team that they're going to pass, you know, uh, nine times out of ten, you may not ever see James Devlin. Never says a word. Just goes about his business. Will do whatever it takes to help a team win. And I think Brady. I think everybody sees that, appreciates that for what he does. And again, he can be part of that protection for Tom Brady. So anybody that helps protect Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady's going to like, and I think it's that selflessness that has made James Devlin, you know, a, a, a really good football player. And now for him, I mean, how about that? Putting that little stamp on his career. He's a Super Bowl champion, but now he's also a Pro Bowler. Uh, you know, it reminds you of Matthew Slater. Those kind of guys. And 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 the great thing that I I think we continue to see. Kyle Van Noy is a great example. When he first came here, everyone was like, "Oh, he could be okay, this and that." And then you, you sit down with him if you're Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia and say, listen, this is what we need you to do. We need you to set the edge. We don't have a Rob Ninkovich anymore. We don't have a Chris, uh, Chris Long. We, get, we need you to set the edge. If you can do that for us to start, then you're going to play, and you're going to play, and you're going to play well. And now look at it. He's one of those valuable pieces of the defense, and I think James Devlin is one of those guys. If you do this and only this, you're going to help us succeed, and all those little do-your-jobs add up to that one big picture. So, Good for a guy like James Devlin making the Pro Bowl. And no shock that uh, Brady, Gronk, and Matthew Slater, as you mentioned, are the other three uh, Pro Bowlers for the Patriots. The Steelers, by the way, lead the NFL with eight. But, of course, uh, the Patriots will gladly uh, change pl- trade places. Um, or And not ke- play. And not play, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't think... I'm surprised Devin McCourty didn't make it. That's the one yeah. guy I thought he was having... He's had an outstanding year, both, I think, mentally and physically for this defense. Uh, That's the only one surprise that I see that maybe didn't make it for the Patriots. See, to me, and I wrrote about this today on CLNS, uh, Rochi, and you touched on it earlier, about the the season that the the secondary is having, in in particular the safeties. I think that the the Patriots' safety group is the best in the National Football League for what they're asked to do uh, and for their versatility. I I don't think there's a group. I mean, obviously, people would bring up Seattle when the Seahawks are healthy, but I don't think there's a group in in football that is asked to do what the Patriots' uh, secondary, in in particular, their safeties are asked to do. And I just think maybe it's 
maybe they didn't make the Pro Bowl because you you can't select uh, five guys or four guys to a unit. Um, but it, it, by my um, naked eye, or to my naked eye, I think they're the best in football. And again, that's to me one of the big reasons that the Patriots defense came around is because, uh, like you said earlier, it started on the back end. I want to ask you something now about your style. And I think you're the most positive voice in Boston sports media. You know where I'm, I think you know where I'm going with this. Do colleagues or anybody else ever get you, get on you for being so full of sunshine? Uh, ever? How about every day? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, Gil, Gil, Gil Santos, the, the legendary voice of, of the Patriots, him and I used to talk about this all the time. Uh, you know, when I was working with him at BZ Radio, and he would basically say to me, like, don't change. Uh, he said, it's it's probably going to be the hardest thing you'll ever have to do on a daily basis is just to be positive. And it sounds funny to say that. And I, I kind of laugh when I tell people. I'm like, like my job, uh, I love my job for one, but also I wake up every day with a positive attitude. And uh, I'm 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 positive about what I see on the floor and, and everything else and on the ice and stuff. And, and you'd sit there and say, well, what's the matter with that? But around here, I guess in life, it's hard sometimes because everywhere you go, people are like, ah, shut up. Like, yeah, you're guaranteeing the Patriots will bounce back of the winner of Miami. You're just a homer and everything else. And it's, it's, it's difficult for me to explain, Mike, to people that uh, I'm not a homer. It sounds, sounds strange, but like I always say, if the Red Sox win, it's a great story and it continues to be a great story and more people pay attention and more people get excited. Like, you watch. I'm sure this happens around you. My daughter is like that. Can you get Celtics tickets? Right. And she hasn't really said that to me in years. You know what I mean? It's just because it's a great story. Everyone loves Kyrie and everything else, so it's fun. So it brings more attention to your job and to what you do, so you continue to work. That's what you want to do for a living. But if the, the day the Celtics or the Red Sox or the Bruins or the Patriots lose, uh, I get up the next day and it's okay, what's next? And I get to hang out with my family a little bit more because the time is not as you know, uh, taken away from, from that because of my job. So I move on. When the Red Sox lose, if they lose, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, I can't wait till spring training in February 15th. If they win the World Series, I, I, when it's over, I can't wait till after the parade to go back to spring training February 15th. That's just how it is. They'll, they'll always be there. Baseball will always be there. And that's kind of how I approach my job. And it's like, you know, I kind of laugh at it. Sports radio has gone the other way. It's, you know, it's what, <laughs> yeah. what can you make the, the most negative out of? And, that's fine. That's how they choose to live their life. And I know they get mad at me and people pick on me all the time for being positive, but Hey, I don't care. It's kind of the way I am. And on and on we go. Yeah. You know, I'm friends with Kirk Minahan and I, and I, I talk to Kirk about this all the time. It's his style. And, and he has told me many, many times, he's like, I have to be true to myself, uh, but I know, Trags, you have to be true to yourself. Uh, Rochi has to be who he is. And because he always tells me, and we always have this discussion, if you're not, it comes across far worse and far more fraudulent. And then I think that's when people start to really tune you out. When you start to sound like something, you're really not. I mean, this sounds kind of vague, but you know, Rochi, that Boston sports fans are tuned in to the media as much as they are to the teams. And they can tell when somebody's not being genuine, right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And the one thing, yeah, and the best advice I ever got was this gentleman, Bruce Arnold, who, was pa- who passed away, who worked for Kirk Gowdy for 55 years. 
Uh, he told me day one when I started working for him when I was a you know a freshman at Syracuse. Uh, he he told me to two words: be yourself. And he continued to say that to me all the time. And it's exactly what you're saying. You know what I mean? And and that's the other thing. It's like, hey, if if you want to be you know the way you are, if if you're like you are, if Kirk's like he is, if you know. Uh, Felger's like that. Fine. Right. As long as you're yourself, I, I could care less. You know what I mean? And, and like, you're right. You could see it, and people, fans can see it all the time. If you're a fraud, you're a fraud. And you, you just kind of like, hey, whatever. Uh, you, you lose kind of respect for the way some people are. But I respect everybody who has their opinion, sticks by it, and then that's what they, they are. Uh, and it's sometimes it's not easy and everything else, but you kind of go through that life. And I always, you know, I've said this to my kids a thousand times, too. At the end of the day, you know, if you're true to those two words, when you wake up, you look in the mirror, and and you're going to have success and failure. But at least you know, deep down inside, no matter how things go, that you gave everything you had as yourself. And, you know, if people don't like it, fine. You just move on. That's kind of how things are. If your bosses don't like it, fine. You just move on and find another job. But at least you can't don't look back and say, oh, gosh, remember that? I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, good goodness knows in this world of all the stuff that keeps coming out on a daily basis. Uh, you know, if you got skeletons in the closet, they're coming out at some point. We all know that. Yep. So, uh, so I want to ask you. <laughs> I want to ask you about uh, Patriots preseason TV. When uh, the Patriots uh, and Craft Productions approached you, approached Christian, I believe it was three years ago. The format was kind of unique, right? I mean, it was that they wanted to do like a t- five years ago. Are you serious? It's been that long? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, because I remember this. My son, uh, my first Harry. game was okay. uh, down in Philly, and my son Harry was entering his freshman year at Villanova. So I was down there in August before he was moving down, and Christian and I uh, went to Villanova and found his dorm, and I took a picture out in front of his dorm, and I said that I had just put a security camera in his dorm room uh, that he wouldn't be able to find that I could monitor everything that he was doing when he entered Villanova and we sent it back to him. Uh, Christian and I sent the text back to him uh, that day. So that's why I remember it because he's now graduated from Villanova and, and moved on. So it has been five years that we've been doing those preseason games. And how unique was it to, to, to approach the format a little bit different? And because, you know, everybody, uh, you know, I believe your predecessor would be Don Crickey, correct? And Randy Cross? Yes. Yes. Yep, so we're I very mean, good at what they do. Yes. And, uh, but, you know, they did a straightforward play by play color analyst type of an, uh, breakdown on a preseason TV. I think it was to the Kraft's credit and to the uh, producers of Kraft Productions, to their credit, that they were like, let's, you know what, it's preseason. Let's try something different. I mean, and you were, you know, the uh, the leader of that, you were essentially the headmaster of that. I mean, what was that like for you to kind of take on that new challenge in a new format that nobody had really done before? Yeah, it was interesting. It was, um, you know, Matt Smith was, was really the one who came up with the idea, who was the executive producer of Craft Sports Productions. And, you know, he ran it by the Crafts and, and, and said, this is what I'd like to do. And, you know, Matt has been there a long time. And they said, yeah, you know, why not? Let's try it. And the Crafts. I give them credit, as you've seen too. We've all seen in New England. They, if they're kind of on the forefront of, you know, the technology, the you know, the stuff in the stands, with the, you know, uh, having the ability to get, uh, you know, the the, the uh, updated st- statistics and things. What all that they're doing, and they have done. They've been on the, you know, the forefront of it all. And it was kind of that same type of thing. And Matt said, "Let's try this." And 
you know, uh, he asked me if I would come in and, and, and audition, and it was it was really the audition was really hard. I was basically sitting at a table. I think huh. I think it was Christian, and we were, and we were sitting there watching a preseason broadcast and just kind of going off that. Uh, and and Matt wanted it more for me to be like, and you would appreciate this more to be like a talk show host with with a cast around you. You know what I mean? It yep. almost be like a Glenn Ordway with everybody around him. And let's uh, not uh, know, and also Matt Chatham. In. You know, because he was on the pod last week and, you know, talked about yeah. how breaking down X's and O's. And, and, you know, this kind of format opens itself up to what Matt loves to do. And that's to kind of get football wonky in there and, and get talk about the details of what he sees field level. Yes, and it's and again, that was part of it, too. It was almost like they wanted me to be the, the, the captain to lead and not do play-by-play, which was, it sounds easy, but it's not easiest thing to do when you're trying to get you know christian's opinions of what's going on and who might make this team and who's making the play and why and break it down football wise and then down to match adam what are you seeing from the field level what did you see this guy do what did you see the line do what did you see guys trying to make the team do and oh by the way we have andy hart and paul perillo from right. patriot football weekly back in our you know bob's discounts furniture studios <laughs> Uh, you know, breaking down what they see as far as what they've seen. They're guys that that, are, that have seen every single practice at training camp, so they're giving you their opinion of what they've seen so far. And to put that all together, plus to get the sponsors in, you know, who, who you know sponsor what we do, uh, it hasn't been easy. And and you know, then to study up on ninety guys on the pass roster plus ninety guys on whatever team they're playing, and to not make mistakes. And, and again, I think my first game I made the huge mistake of saying Ben Vereen instead of Shane Vereen, <laughs> uh, scoring a touchdown, yeah. which still We've all been day, there. five years later, people still say that to me. Yeah, oh, Ben Vereen doing? Oh, you know, yeah, so which, which you love. But but to put it all together and, and, and make it a, a, a product that people will watch is, has been a challenge, but it's also, as you know, Mike, it's what, you know, the more versatility you have, it's like playing for Belichick. The more versatile you are, the the better opportunities you'll have. So it's been a blast to do. It's probably the most tense filled time that I have, the, the preparation and wanting to get everything right. And then, you know, leading up to the broadcast and making sure the broadcast goes smoothly. By the time you're done, you're exhausted. I think mentally more than anything else. Uh, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You know, and it's one of those deals. If it ends today, you know, tomorrow it ends, but I've had a, a blast doing it for five years and I've seen, Two teams that have, uh, you know, won Super Bowls over the course of those five years and been to the AFC Championship every single year. So, as a kid who grew up here, it's uh, it's a thrill every time I get to do those games. So, uh, it certainly has been fun and different, and you know, I'll always cherish it forever. Okay, you've known a lot of Boston sports figures, and I have. We'll finish on this note. You've had great conversations with some of the best leaders in Boston sports. I, I know you were tight, or, or you knew Tito very well, uh, Terry Francona. You had some very good conversations with him. I know you've at least spoken to Bill, um, certainly off camera, I'm sure, quite a bit. I'm just curious if there's one or two stories or uh, one or two characteristics about anybody in the Boston sports scene that stick out to you over your time doing this. Mm, that's a good question. I don't. They're all different. But I, what I like is, is you know, we talked about how you wake up every day and and you, you know, uh, you're positive or what have you. Uh, for me, it's always been there's there's different stories with different teams with different players. You know what I mean? So I, I think of each of the individual teams. I'll never forget talking 
uh, off camera after we taped an interview for Sports Final, the show we do on BZTV, uh, with Dennis Seidenberg back in 2011, when after the first two games of the uh, Bruins final? losing in Vancouver, oh, right. Seidenberg was quiet. You know Seidenberg, very quiet. Yep. Uh, you know, one of those guys that him and Chara were dominating, though, when they were playing. And we get done the interview, and I'm like, uh, he goes, I'm like, what's it been like to play these guys? You know, because they were biting fingers and everything up in Vancouver. And he just he just stopped and looked at me. He goes, I hate these guys. I really hate these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he, he just got he just got a, and he smiled afterwards. You know, and it was just kind of like whoa. You know, so I mean, those kind of moments that you get, and then like, you know, being on a duck boat after 2004. I snuck on a duck boat. I was the only media member to do that, and we weren't supposed to. But I jumped in a duck boat with a camera, uh, a photographer, and we were on the the, the Charles River. With uh, Trot Nixon, uh, Jason Veritek, Gabe Kaplan, and Doug Maravelli, <laughs> uh, and and we were t- and Trot Nixon was just going on and on talking about looking at the you know both sides of the Charles the Museum of Science and just people everywhere, uh, and just talking about what a, what a season it's been, what a historic season it's been. Those type of moments are the moments that I think we all live for and make it a blast. I remember David Crazy, Patrice Bergeron, giving me a huge hug at Center Ice. Uh, in Vancouver, as I was waiting to for them to throw it to me back in Boston, uh, just because of how excited he was at the fact that they had won the cup. You know what I mean? It's just like he turned to me and I said, "This is pretty cool," and he just gave me a big hug. You know what I mean? And you that know, kind of stuff. Or yeah, not not to interrupt you, Rochi, but I had the same experience with Martellus Bennett after the Super Bowl last year uh, in Houston. We were in that staging area. He was with his daughter. And I said, "Congratulations, Martellus. He's been wait- you've been waiting a long time." And he gives me this big hug, and I and I had this uh, jacket on, and and what I remember about that is the red stain on my shoulder. You know, from the turf from. Because he had in the overtime, he had yep. fallen in in the uh, Falcons end zone, and the Falcons end zone was obviously painted red. And I look at my shoulder, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's the end zone, you know, that he fell on." And and he was just so full of joy. And it's those moments that I think, you know, this. I know we we talked a lot about being giddy at the at the start start of this pod. But it's those kind of moments that really make all of the grinding through what we do really worth it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Like, David Ross at the DVD party, the World Series one in 2013, he was there representing the Red Sox, and uh, I was getting ready to do an interview with him, and I was waiting for my photographer, and I turned to him. I said, listen, I said, look at you. I said, you're, you've been a backup catcher your entire life. Uh, you come into this Red Sox organization, and people cherish you and say maybe you can work in the front office or what have you. Then you catch on, and then you get to play, and then you come up with some of the biggest home runs and hits that you'll ever come up with in your career, and you have a World Series ring. I said, how cool has this year been for you? And he stopped, and he looked at me, and said, you know what? He said, hey, give me a hug. You know, yeah. he just, he just, this is just like the best, isn't it? And that's kind of, you know, those, I like the relationships or just those types of things, and, you know, the, the moments that, that, that you, and I, you're the same way, that you treasure the same things that I treasure. You know, I'm sitting in the at, at a house with Pedro Martinez, and, and, swear to God, 35 members of his family, extended family and everything else, as he's getting ready to go into the Hall of Fame the next day. And we're just sitting there getting ready to do an interview and just the conversation about, you know, how cool is this, Pedro, and everything, and, and the things that, you know, you start talking about. And then for me, I, I you know, getting into baseball conversations with those guys, with David Ortiz, and it's not about, you know, 
this, that. It's but hey, David, you know, what did you do in this situation? What were you thinking? How, how were you able to slow the game down? You know, and then him, him one time in 2013 after 03, 04, uh, you know, 07, all the, the, the history that he created in, in the, as the greatest hitter in Red Sox clutch history, him turning to me in, in after like game six of 2013. Uh, well, game five out in St. Louis and him saying, you know what, for the first time, I think that one time I was nervous in the batter's box before I stepped in. He goes, I, I was in the batter's box and my legs started shaking and I, and I was about to get up in a big at bat. He goes, I had to stop. I had to slow myself down. I had to put like pine tar on my bat because I was shaking so much. And then I said, David, get back to who you always are. Get back to who you always are and then step into the box and do it again. You know, those little things. Yep that you appreciate over the course of time that make it make it fun and make what we do fun. I wish you'd cheer up. I really do, Rochi. Just... <laughs> Shut up, Mike. <laughs> That's perfect. I feel like I'm back in the media workroom at Gillette Stadium. That's how I feel, Rochi. There you go. Um, way to how, work. How, yeah, way to work. How are, your, how are your kids? Everybody's good. You know, my son is out there, uh, worked for uh, a Mariners short-season team Oh, that's right, summer, yeah. And- Yep, out there looking for another job, wants to get involved in the game of baseball. He sees it better than I do. My daughter's college, playing two sports, having a blast. And uh, my wife is uh, happy, married, and oh, I don't know if she's happily married, but she's married to me, and we're having fun. So all is good. Okay, I'm going to – I have to hit on this because this is something near and dear to my heart, and I, I felt really bad for Harry that the night our alma mater, Harry and, and mine – alma mater villanova beat north carolina tell the quick story the 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 reader's digest version of what happened he was uh he was up in um boston he had to come home because he had a job interview the next day for a uh, job at an analytics company in boston for an internship uh the next day so he uh, wasn't able to be on campus and wasn't able to go to the final four because he had his priorities in the right place and was uh having to go to Boston, and then he was flying back. He did fly back when the team arrived and everything else, but him and I were on the phone. I was at uh, opening day in Cleveland, That's right. uh, which had been yep. rained out that Monday. So him and I were on the phone and texting back and forth the entire game, which for me as a dad was a, a joy from start to finish because it was such a great game, such a great moment. And then, oh, my gosh, Carolina scores. It's over, but no, wait. You know, he's texting, let's see what Jay Wright has planned and everything else. And then they run the play to perfection. They score and they, you know, and he's, he's, you were on the phone yelling. He wakes my wife up and everything else. So as a dad, you remember that forever. But for him, he, we wished he had been either in, uh, where was it, in Texas or in, uh, in Houston, Houston or right. uh, on campus. But then he went right back after the interview, flew back down and was, was there for the arrival and the parties and everything else. So it worked out well. But yeah, I'll never forget that. But I felt bad for him. I'm like, well, kind of life got in the way right there, kid. So, all for the best. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth, a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Ezon and Mike Molino live after every single game on CLNSmedia.com. Subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube now. Also, get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also now available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show feed, available again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. The all-new CLNS Media website is launched at clnsmedia.com. clnsmedia.com is now the home of this podcast and 40 
other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. I want to once again thank our great guest, Dan Roach from WBZ-TV and Patriots 5th Quarter. Roachy, how can people follow you? Uh, at Rochi WBZ, R-O-C-H-I-E-W-B-Z on Twitter. Same thing on Instagram and Facebook, I think, too. And then just watch Channel 4. I always say, do me a favor, just if you're in the greater Boston area, New England, uh, before you go to bed at night, before you fall asleep, no matter what you're watching doing, just click over to uh, Channel 4 because uh, maybe it'll register and keep me employed for the next several years. So please do that before you go to bed. I don't care if you ever watch Channel 4, just do that. Uh, before you go to bed, it is a favor. Thanks. And we will be sure to do that. <laughs> you can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore Beat and CLNS Media. You can also give my own personal account a follow at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor, DraftKings. For Patriots content manager Mike Alonghi, CLNS Media executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show, hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio, immediately after every single pass game, Calling at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher. And the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. 